Hello, you are listening to Maghreb and Past and Present Podcasts, a space dedicated to history, politics, art, culture, sociology, anthropology, and many other subjects. This episode was recorded via Zoom on the 23rd of August, 2023, at the Centre d'études Maghrebines at Tunis, CEMAT. In this podcast, Luke Scalone, Semat Charge de Programme, interviews Ames fellow Alexander Barrett Young, PhD candidate in history at Johns Hopkins University, presenting a podcast entitled Tunisian Libraries and the Book History of African Decolonization, 1956 to 1988. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Maghreb in Past and Present Podcasts. My name is Luke Scalone, and I am the Semat Charge de Programme. Today, I'm talking with Alexander Barrett Young, who is a historian whose work connects book history, African history, and French history. As a PhD candidate in history at Johns Hopkins University, Young is currently researching and writing his dissertation, Africa's Book Revolution, Print Culture, Decolonization, and Development, 1954 to 1988, a multi-site project that will tell the connected stories of African publishers, librarians, biographers, cultural development experts, and media theorists across Tunisia, Morocco, Cameroon, Senegal, France, and beyond. And today, we'll be talking specifically about libraries. So thank you so much for joining us today, Alex. Thank you so much for having me. To start off this conversation, I wanted to ask, what is the current state of the history of the book in the Maghreb, and how does your research fit into it? The history of books in the Maghreb is a very rich field. It includes publishing and scholarship in Arabic and French and Judeo-Arabic and Italian, other languages, over many centuries. Unfortunately, though, Maghrebi and African print cultures more broadly are too often still seen as marginal to the core of book history, a field that is still strongly organized around one paradigmatic case, 18th century France, the relationship of the Enlightenment to the French Revolution. So I want to ask how things look if we instead take 20th century Tunisian, Maghrebi, and African book histories as centers or starting points. How might book history look if its key terms were things like national culture, decolonization, cultural development, all in a global post-imperial context. Within book history, the history of libraries is also too often neglected. The work of librarians can pass unnoticed, unremarked, but libraries are political and cultural institutions with their own histories that involve work, choices, and chance. And libraries have been important actors in Tunisian, African, and global cultural histories. During my research in Tunisia in spring 2023, I consulted collections of books at libraries, as well as librarians' letters, memos, and reports, plus library catalogs and bibliographies, all as primary sources for the history of Tunisian libraries, Tunisian librarians, and more broadly, as sources for the history of national culture and of cultural decolonization in an expansive global sense. This research is going to contribute to my current dissertation project, as you said, Luke, a multi-site project, that's aiming to tell the connected stories of book people across the Maghreb, West Africa, and Central Africa. Printers, publishers, librarians, development consultants, media theorists, who all participated in and made the African book revolution of the 1960s and 1970s. I'm especially interested in putting together 
the book histories of the Maghreb with those of West Africa and Central Africa, I think it can be really instructive intellectually and politically to think with recent histories, recent moments where Tunisian and Cameroonian students, for example, learned librarianship alongside each other in classrooms in Tunis, as well as in Dakar and in Paris, when, for example, Tunisia was commonly categorized under the Africa header in bibliographies and directories, and when librarians in formerly French-colonized, newly independent nation-states across Africa, from Tunisia and Morocco to Cameroon and Madagascar, built a shared world of library practices and library science knowledge in order to navigate the questions they were all facing raised by the history of French colonization and by the new realities of national independence into the 1960s and 1970s. So today, I want to focus especially on the stories of Tunisian librarians, starting from independence, going through the 1980s, as they worked to build the National Library of Tunisia, to navigate Tunisian culture's role in the world, to organize their profession, and to generate scholarly knowledge about book history and about reading cultures. I'm especially excited to highlight some of the primary sources I looked at last spring at the National Library of Tunisia, the National Archives, the Fondation Temimi, the archives of the University of Manuba, the Seymat Library, of course, as well as the collections of used booksellers in Tunis. And before we go on, I do just want to point out that I don't intend the word librarian in any narrow way. The people in these stories were library administrators, graduate students, scholars of book history and media theory, as well as development consultants. And they saw themselves as belonging to a profession that also included archivists and what they call in French, documentalistes, that is specialists of documentation centers in businesses and government offices. All of these professionals of the information sciences broadly had a hand in shaping Tunisian libraries, Tunisian national culture in the context of decolonization and of new development projects that were happening in Tunisia and across Africa. Fantastic. And it sounds like so much of your research here hinges on this moment of decolonization. And so this brings me to the next question of, was the state of Tunisian libraries at the moment of independence as decolonization was taking place? And for that, what was the relationship between colonizer and colonized in terms of libraries? Absolutely. Decolonization was a key turning point in the history of Tunisian libraries. And I think it helps to illustrate this with reference to the specific experience, the story of the National Library of Tunisia. So in 1956, the end of the French protectorate, the achievement of Tunisian sovereignty of independence, led to the creation of the National Library of Tunisia, which formerly had been the public library of the Regency of Tunis. And in the National Archives of Tunisia, there are letters from the French librarians at that library in the early 1950s, before Tunisian independence. And these letters demonstrate the ambiguity of this library's status as a French colonial library in the Tunisian protectorate. In 1951, librarians noted that their library was being pulled in a few different directions. It was at once a university research library. It was also a central library for Tunisia. And it was a national library, which for the French colonial librarians meant a national library of France in the system headed by the National Library in Paris. Tunisian independence in 1956 
overhauled the institution, changing all of these different directions the library was being pulled and creating for it a new role as the National Library of the new independent nation state of Tunisia and tasking it with new missions. One big change was in how the National Library collected books. So before 1956, the French National Library in Paris claimed the right to some legal deposits of books from Tunisia, like from other French colonized territories in Africa. Now, the legal deposit is the requirement by law that every new item printed or published in a territory must be deposited in however many copies typically at a library in the capital of the territory, like a national library. In the US, it's the Library of Congress, which is the National Library of Legal Deposit. Maghrebi and African independences between 1956 with Tunisia and Morocco and 1962 with Algeria severed that imperial legal relationship between the library in Tunis and the library in Paris. So librarians at the National Library of France in Paris no longer had the legal authority or enforcement power to claim new submissions of books from Tunisia. And in the archives of the National Library in Paris, there are these documents from the late 50s and early 60s where the French librarians were trying to figure out how to solve this problem, how to hold on to the imperial legal deposits of new books from the Maghreb from Africa in the face of African independences. They didn't manage to find a way and the result was a system of international exchanges among national libraries of now sovereign independent nation states. So Tunisian independence in 1956, along with a whole range of other independences across the Maghreb, West Africa, Central Africa, created a new status for the new national library, equipping it to collect legal deposits and to conduct international exchanges with libraries abroad. The national library was tasked with organizing with decolonizing and with developing Tunisian national culture in print. So librarians had a lot of work to do over the course of the 1960s and 1970s. I'm really interested in this conversation librarians did actually, because the status of the National Library as a legal deposit is so interesting. But I'm really curious about who these early librarians were and what kind of work did they take on at the National Library after independence? A lot of the work that librarians do happens behind the scenes, and when libraries work for their users, they often try to make their work look seamless or frictionless. And so it's often easy to forget that librarians are working really hard, and they're, they're doing very important work on behalf of their users. And here, these librarians really saw their project as doing important work on behalf of the nation state, on behalf of the Maghreb, Africa, the third world. And decolonization really set the agenda for these librarians' efforts, for example, to catalog items and to make bibliographies of their collections. Right away at the moment of independence in the fall of 1956, the director of the National Library, Othman Alkak, who had worked at the National Library as a kind of apprentice during the protectorate period and became the director at independence, he sent letters to the prime minister, the minister of education, the minister of foreign affairs of the newly independent Tunisia to remind them of the National Library's value, its ability to, quote, provide any diplomatic, bibliographic, or political documentation on very short order. One function the new National Library worked to fulfill was the national bibliography. In addition to collecting legal deposits and to making specific bibliographies for other government offices, librarians also wanted to create and to publish 
lists of every new Tunisian publication. And they published these starting in 1956 as monthly issues of Information Bibliographique, Bibliographical Updates, and as annual issues of the Bibliographie Nationale. These bibliographies can appear very dry. They're just lists of books and articles, but they took a lot of work to put together. And they're also actually amazing resources for historians because you get to see a cross-section of intellectual and cultural production in print from a given month or year. You can also get glimpses into the worldviews of the librarians who made these bibliographies according to what items they choose to include or exclude, how they broke the bibliography down into categories, how they organized their knowledge about books. In particular, librarians and bibliographers interpreted the word Tunisian differently over time as they worked to make their lists of Tunisian publications. This could mean things printed or published in Tunisia. It could also, at different times, mean all the items that were deposited at the National Library in the National Collection of Tunisia by legal deposit, by donation, by exchange, or otherwise. Or even more broadly, Tunisian publications could include any number of really foreign publications that were relevant to Tunisia, or even that were relevant subject-wise to the Maghreb, to Africa, to the Arab world, to the Third World. So what's striking about these national bibliographies of Tunisia through the 1970s is that they were not narrowly national. Rather, they took an expansive view of what counted as a Tunisian book, including books printed abroad, published abroad, and or written by non-Tunisian authors. So this included, for example, a book published in the UK by Samir Amin, Egyptian economist working in Senegal, or a book published in France by Abdallah Laroui, a Moroccan historian, or even doctoral dissertations by Tunisian and other Maghrebi students that were defended at the Sorbonne in Paris. These all counted in the 1970s for the national bibliography of Tunisia. By the 1980s, the borders of the national bibliography would start to, to harden to include only works really printed or published in Tunisia. But you can see this moment of openness of cosmopolitan aspirations for Tunisian print culture to coexist with and to move among a kind of a global or a continental African or a regional Maghrebi print culture. The other important thing that librarians at the National Library did in these first few decades after independence was they took stock of their library's holdings and they created catalogs of significant collections. One especially interesting one was published in 1976, 20 years after independence, when Tunisian librarians put out four volumes of a catalog of the National Library's holdings relating to other parts of formerly French colonized Africa. These four volumes of the Africana catalog, Africana 1 through Africana 4, included one on French West Africa and French Equatorial Africa, the former colonial federations, a second catalog on Senegal, a third on Black Africa general topics, and a final volume covering 13 West African and Central African nation states, all of which gained independence from France around 1960, from Mauritania to Gabon. Each issue's main contents, each volume of the catalog, was a long set of reproduced cards from the library's card catalog, listing the call numbers and the bibliographical details for the, the National Library of Tunisia's holdings of books 
and of manuscripts relating to Africa. So Tunisian librarians made these bibliographies because of a shared history of colonization by France, which built and which deposited in Tunis a significant collection of books and manuscripts about and from other African contexts. These librarians also made this set of Africana catalogs out of post-independence solidarity with other African nation states. The preface to the first volume of the Africana catalog explained that the library's collecting priorities in the mid-70s included, quote, national, that is Tunisian, manuscript and print heritage, followed by publications from Maghrebi countries, from the Arab Muslim world, from African countries, and from countries of the third world. In these 1976 Africana catalogs, then, librarians confronted the French colonial past of their collections in order to promote Tunis as a center for research on African history. This was one part of broader efforts to find the right role, the right place for Tunisian national cultural institutions like the National Library in a world of independent nation states and in the service of solidarity and understanding among formerly French colonized nation states in Africa. The National Library was only one among many libraries in Tunisia, but it's especially interesting because it sits at the intersection of the state with print culture, and because it was one of the institutions whose projects worked to define national culture in the wake of empire and decolonization. The National Library of Tunisia was one place where librarians worked out what their new post-imperial, post-independence national culture would mean, where its boundaries would fall, how that national culture would move in the world in relation to other nation states with their national cultures. It sounds like the librarians at the Tunisian National Archive were undergoing a monumental task. Now, a moment ago, you had mentioned that there were many other libraries emerging around the same time. Beyond the National Library, where else were Tunisian librarians working and what were their projects? Yes, it was changing during this time period because Tunisian librarians had to work to build their own new institutions. So in 1966, 10 years after independence, a group of librarians, including Bechir Alfani, future director of the National Library, and Othman Al-Kak, former director of the National Library, founded a new professional association, the Association Tunisienne de Documentalistes, Bibliothécaires et Archivistes, so the Tunisian Association of Documentalists, Librarians, and Archivists, in order to organize the profession and to advocate for librarianship and for the information sciences. The group was really homegrown, self-published, its own mimeographed newsletters and bibliographies. And they also complained in these newsletters that their profession, librarians, documentalists, felt, quote, abandoned by the gods. They felt like they were striking out on their own, trying to build something new. The Association experienced generational conflict among librarians starting around 1976 with a disagreement over whether to admit students working in librarianship graduate programs as full members of the association. This led to disputed 1977 elections for president of the association and the creation of competing executive committees, both claiming to be the real leaders and a struggle over control of the newsletter. Eventually, the younger cohort of librarians won out over their teachers and mentors. And this was part of a broader movement of students claiming more rights and more responsibility, more leadership in educational institutions in Tunisia across the 1960s and 1970s. Training students was really vital for a community of librarians 
who were trying to establish themselves in the wake of colonialism and independence, and several generations of Tunisian librarians, information science professionals, trained at two closely connected schools. First, the Institut de Presse et des Sciences de l'Information, and second, the Institut Supérieur de Documentation, the IPSI and the ESD. And they trained here alongside archivists, documentalists, even journalists. The IPSI and the ESD were big centers for library science and for book history research and teaching by instructors and by students. Master students at the IPSI in the 1970s researched and wrote their master's theses on newspaper publishing, on the printing industry, on state information services, media theory, bibliography, among other topics related to books and library science. These graduate students were among the earliest scholars in the 1970s to challenge some very flat but very persistent stories, for example, about alleged Muslim resistance to printing or about Africans' supposed unsuitability for reading. At least three Cameroonian students earned their master's degrees at PSI in Tunis in 1972. Some Tunisian students also studied library science in Dakar, Senegal, at the UNESCO-affiliated Centre Régional de Formation de Bibliothécaires, which soon joined the University of Dakar as the École des Bibliothécaires Archivistes et Documentalistes. Others studied in Paris alongside classmates from across Africa at the French École Normale Supérieure de Bibliothécaires. Each of the schools in Tunis, each of these two graduate schools for training new librarians, also created an academic journal in the 1980s. For the IPSI, it was the Revue Tunisienne de Communication, and at the ESD, it was the Revue Maghrébine de Documentation. Each of these published book history and library science research alongside articles about archives, media studies, sociology, education, and development. There was even a short-lived research center in librarianship, biblioteconomie, and in information sciences housed at the ESD in the mid-1980s. This center published one of the most important works of Tunisian media studies by scholar Abdelkader Benchik. This was his 1986 book, Communication et Société, Pouvoir lire, Éducation et Développement Culturel. From the title, you can see the link between the ability to read and the possibility of achieving cultural development. Benchik's career is really interesting because it spanned academic media studies, training for new librarians in Tunisia, and international book development work. His 1986 book was based on his doctoral dissertation, which he wrote in Bordeaux under the supervision of Robert Escarpie. Escarpie was the French sociologist who pioneered what he termed the sociology of literature starting in the 1950s. And he also consulted for UNESCO on African book development projects in the 1960s and into the 70s. Escarpie was the one who coined the concepts of book revolution and book famine or book hunger to describe the simultaneous and apparently paradoxical abundance of books and unequal distribution of print in the mid 20th century. And this was a framing that proved really useful for Tunisian scholars like Abdelkader Ben-Sheikh confronting Tunisia's place in the world of books and trying to improve that place through practical policies. Abdelkader Ben-Sheikh adapted Escarpi's social scientific approach to questions about print culture, especially the methods of mapping book circuits and of surveying readers about their reading practices. 
in order to study the particular needs and challenges of so-called underdeveloped countries like Tunisia. Ben Sheikh argued that reading books, having the right reading habits, was one key to creating the right kinds of people who could achieve cultural decolonization and cultural development for Tunisia and for other recently decolonized countries. He also advised student theses at the IPSI, and he did his own work consulting for UNESCO as an expert on book industries in the Arab world. Tunis has also been home to international conferences on books and reading from the 1972 Colloque Maghrebin in Hammamet, which featured a speech by a top UNESCO book development official, plus a presentation from Ben Sheikh on the reading habits of Tunisian students, all the way through to the IPSI's 1985 conference on research and teaching in bibliology, a kind of neologism for book studies in Francophone Africa, which led eventually to the 1988 founding in Tunis of the International Association for Bibliology, which is still ongoing today. These efforts and these encounters have made Tunis a real center in the global history of libraries, library science, librarianship. In addition to talking about the history of libraries and librarianship, you've brought up a number of concerns about the history of print culture, whether they were flat stories of print culture in the 1960s and 70s, or more dynamic ones more recently. How has the history of Tunisian libraries fit into larger histories of print culture today? Yes, absolutely. These library stories are just one strand in a really dense raid or not of Tunisian book histories. There is so much book history in Tunisia. So just for a really brief survey, we could think about the student movement in the 1960s and 1970s, where the leftist activist group Perspective Tunisienne pioneered an activist practice of mimeograph publishing for their political pamphlets, which led to a whirlwind story of publishing radical pamphlets, eventually resistance to censorship, transnational solidarity on behalf of political prisoners, activists who later became publishers at major Tunisian publishing houses. This has been the subject of really interesting work by historian Burley Hendrickson in his new book, as well as by Idris Jaberi in an episode of this podcast. Meanwhile, independent Tunisia was also home during the Algerian revolution to exiled publishers who had published on behalf of the Front de Libération Nationale and had to flee France or Algeria. The 1960s and 70s also saw major state investment in publishing in Tunisia, where the Tunisian state put a lot of money into producing these beautifully printed, amazingly designed books of poetry, of photography, painting, novels, through three state publishing houses. First, the SNED, the Société Nationale d'Édition et de Diffusion, Later on, it split into the Société Tunisienne de Diffusion and the Maison Tunisienne de l'Édition. Tunis also is home to a long-running, prolific publishing house, Édition Ceres, which continues today in the 1970s, was also affiliated with the literary magazine Alif and the cultural newspaper Contact. Uh, Tunisia also counts a number of really well-established scholarly journals, whether it's the Journal of the Institut de Belles-Lettres Arabes or the more science, social scientific de Tunisie. What's more, back in the late 60s, early 70s, Tunisian President Habib Bourguiba, alongside President Hamani Jori of Niger and President Leopold Zedai Senghor of Senegal, was one of the leaders of the creation of a new organization, the Agence de Coopération Culturelle et Technique, today just called La Francophonie, uh, which in 1970 launched in Niger to 
among other things, support African publishing, sponsor literary prizes, coordinate library projects among African member states. So in all of these different ways, from publishing, activism, literature, art, scholarship, cultural policy, international organizations, all the way from anti-colonial organizing in the 50s and 60s to post-independence culture through to the 80s and beyond, Tunis has been at the crossroads of all these important strands of the African and the global book revolution of the 20th century. So it's a really exciting place to do book history research. Wonderful. You bring up some really interesting topics here, Alex. And to finish off, I want one final question about longer term legacies. So how did the early post-independence experiences of librarians in Tunisia shape the world of Tunisian books and libraries today? Many of the publications I just mentioned are available today because of the library work that we've been talking about, because of the collecting and the cataloging work done by librarians over the past six decades most importantly, at the National Library of Tunisia, which, because of all that work, has become a wonderfully rich resource for studying the cultural and the intellectual history of Tunisia, especially of independent Tunisia, the recent and contemporary history. So much of it can be found in these amazing books, magazines, newspapers held at the library collection. The institution-building practices that librarians in Tunisia developed after independence, when they had to create their own structures for their profession, for their industry. Those continue today, especially at the Fondation Temimi, a private research institution, prolific publishing house and library run by a historian, Abdel Jalil Temimi. This is in direct continuity from projects in the 1980s at the Institut Supérieur de Documentation, where Temimi was the director of the institute and the editor of one of those magazines, those journals we discussed, the Revue Maghrebine de Documentation. Temimi, at his foundation today, continues to publish a lot of really interesting historical and sociological work on Tunisia, on the Maghreb, on African history, on Middle Eastern history. And the Fondation Temimi is a really strong example of how library science and librarians have been at the center of broader stories of Tunisian humanities and social science scholarship and publishing. Another distinctive aspect of Tunisian book history was this really impressive state investment in publishing in the 1960s and 1970s, where those state publishing houses, first the SNED, then the STD and the MTE, produced all of these carefully designed, beautifully made up books across all different kinds of fields of culture. And you can still find a lot of these books for sale secondhand in Tunisia today. So this history of public funding for cultural publishing, combined with the ongoing work of booksellers, of course, has made Tunis really rich in bookshops and in used book dealers, which right up there alongside libraries and archives are just such excellent resources for learning about Tunisia's cultural history from the collections of the booksellers and also from the, the personal knowledge and experience that booksellers accumulate. The annual Tunis International Book Fair also continues and it draws collectors, dealers, publishers, and readers. And in the post-2011, post-revolutionary context, there's been a big explosion of new self-publishing in Tunisia. So all of this is really exciting. All of these forces in book history have added up to make Tunis a capital city of the world of books and a real center in recent and contemporary book history. Thank you so much, Alex, for your fascinating work and presentation here on the history of libraries and publication in Tunisia. This has been Maghreb in Past and Present. 
And this is Alex Young and Luke Scalone. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Magrab and Past and Present Podcasts. Other episodes are available on our website, www.themagrebpodcast.com, as well as on iTunes and Podbean. For more information on our podcasts, visit our Facebook page, Magreb and Past and Present Podcasts. Subscribe to the Semat newsletter at www.sematmagreb.org or visit the webpage of the American Institute for Maghreb Studies. See you soon for a new episode.